0: What's up everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. This one is special. It's my birthday episode, and for my birthday, we're gonna do some fun stuff, including giving away something to you guys. So this is gonna be a blast. There's also a ton of baseball to talk about. Let's get to it.
1: It's a ball out. Swings and It's a high fly
0: ball, deep center field, it is gone, home run, and a huge backflip to celebrate. Alright Ben, start the show already. This is a big one. You only turn 31 once. 31 on the 31st, my golden birthday. Alex, let's have a blast of an episode.
1: Happy birthday, old man.
0: Thank you. How's it feel? Do you feel one year older? No. Huh. But 31 does sound – you know, 30 is like a – that's a big birthday. 30 big. 31 sounds like – but it's still my golden birthday, so it's still a big one. But
1: High expectations. High
0: expectations. We do have a lot of baseball to talk about. We will also be doing a giveaway, which I'll explain in a second. But baseball-wise, we got Hall of Fame news. We have my third base tiers to go over. Top five losers of the office. Losers is always such an aggressive word. Losers. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I think about every losers. time. The Japan WBC lineup, which is nasty. Astros, new GM. Uh, name that team today instead of name that player. We're
1: mixing things up.
0: But as I mentioned, today is my birthday. And I am on my birthday. We're going to give away something, which I'll explain in a second. But look. This community is so special to me, and on a really cool episode, on a birthday episode, I wanted to find a way to do something cool for everybody. So, what we are giving away is this bat right here. If you're watching, you can see it. It's a custom-made one of six, so there will be more. Flippin' Bats, bat. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, where's he going with it's, this? It is a it's thirty-four inches, thirty-four thirty wood birch bat. It says flippin' bats with Ben Verlander on it. It's a beautiful bat. It's really cool. And at some point in this episode, I'm going to announce how to win it. There will be a, a secret email address for you to email in and I'll I'll give you all the details in just a little while. But the bat is actually sick. Have you said I want I actually want one. I don't think oh, I've, already, I've already been
1: swinging it.
0: It's, it's fun. It's really cool.
1: It's a beautiful bat. And that's the best thing to do on your birthday. Why don't you spread the joy of giving, right?
0: That's exactly, exactly what I'm going to do. There you go. But um, I'm ex- It's just, just so happened that on my birthday, we get to have an episode come out. So let's have a lot of fun and talk some baseball. Why don't we?
1: We always do. We, Extra fun.
0: We do always. We do always. Have,
1: we do always have a great time.
0: Um, Hall of Fame news. First Whew. and foremost, one person gets in. I was a little worried that nobody would get in. This I, year. I thought that too. One got in. Scott Rowland. Congratulations to Scott Rowland. Seventy-six point three percent of the vote. You need seventy-five percent to get in. Scott Rowland is officially a Hall of Famer. So this class will. So I thought one off. I was a little worried nobody off the ballot would get in. We need to remember Fred McGriff is also getting in um, as well. So the the inductees this next time will be Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff. Rowland becomes the 19th third baseman in the history of the Hall of Fame, which is crazy to me yeah. that only 19 third basemen are in. Uh, he had 281 in his career, 316 homers, 1,287 RBIs, a 70-war, seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover, and a World Series champion. So, to to me, look, here's what I have to say, because looking along on, on social media, a lot of the things became like, well, Scott Rowland, really good? Hall of Famer? Where's that line? Look, to me, at some point, you have to take into consideration a guy's defense, and We don't typically do that. Typically, when you talk Hall of Fame, you just go straight to what are his offensive numbers. When you were growing up for a long time and playing infield or playing third base, it became who's the guy you want to be over at third base? And it was Scott Rowland. The dude was unbelievable. He had an absolute cannon for an arm. He's an eight-time gold glove winner, and he also had a pretty good offensive career. I like it. Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, and uh, we have a lot to also talk about with the Hall of Fame, but we want to take a time to give credit to Scott Rowland for getting it.
1: Yeah, you never want to diminish moments like these because it is so special, And and one of the things I love to see is players getting to really share this moment with their families because your family is just as big as a part of this journey. Oh,
0: it was so cool.
1: As as the players, they're there from the very beginning when you set out to accomplish this dream. And Scott actually shared, we got to see him telling his parents on social media that he was getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. And just to be able to have that moment, to have your parents still around, to be a part of that life-changing, emotional Oh my goodness, we did it. Especially when you have that much time between when you finished your career and you've been able to kind of reflect and, and look back at all of your accomplishments. You really appreciate everything that the game gave you. It, it was your life. I mean, you're someone who would understand that, obviously, with your brother and reaching all of his accolades. It is a family celebration when it happens. And it is so special to be able to get that inside look, as you see right here, with his dad. You just think about all the baseball practices growing up. Yep. Driving to and from games, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, everything that baseball mentally puts you through and physically to then reach this moment and share it with your family is priceless. It's
0: the coolest video. There's so much emotion involved. Yeah. Uh, his there was a question asked as if you're if you're watching you can see the video but he comes walking around the corner and he just says I'm in with all the emotion in the world and yeah. his voice, and he's in tears, and it was just really cool. So congratulations to Scott Rowland for getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, some other names that did not get in but were close. Todd Helton, close. 72.2% of the vote. You need 75% of the vote to get in, which we can talk about how you get in and that whole process in a few minutes, which we will, because Alex and I both have our our ideas for how we should adapt the Hall of Fame voting. Because to be completely honest with you, change is needed. It's dated. It is. It is, <laughs> it, is extremely
1: it is dated. dated. Now, there was another photo I wanted to show here, um, because future should be first ballot Hall of Famer unanimous should be again. Albert yep. Pujols, former teammate, gave him a big... Congratulations, but oh, again, he posted that. He posted That's that, cool. Congratulating him on Instagram. Now, as I said, we would all think unanimous, right? Yeah. However, we also thought Derek Jeter was going to be a unanimous Hall of Famer, but there was one writer who didn't vote him in. So he actually called him out during his Hall of Fame speech. Thank you to all the baseball writers, all but one of you. And this is where the big debate comes in, because it feels like there's also grudges being held by these writers, okay? It's, should there be changes to how players are voted into the Hall of Fame? I think yes. Yes. You think yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Way too dated. Way
1: too dated. I believe there should be some sort of committee. You don't want to push out the writers, all right? Yes, there should still be writers that are able to vote, but maybe it's not everybody. It's a voted on for the writers. You have one to five from each team, from each area that are kind of the representative for the writers. But I think there needs to be people that are involved in the game, baseball executives, owners, GMs. Maybe the players association has Whether they are already Hall of Famers or or players that are so involved in helping the Players Association. There just needs to be more of an inclusive, well-rounded voting-in situation. Rather than having it all be the Baseball Writers Association of America. There needs to be more. It needs to be more eclectic.
0: I have the answer.
1: Yeah.
0: Here is how we fix the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting. You keep the 75% thing that's currently in place. Yeah. And we don't boot out the baseball writers all altogether. Okay. We keep them involved.
1: Mm-hmm. All of them? So you still want to keep all sure. of them involved? You have that okay. system
0: in place. You have the baseball writers. You have all current, alive Hall of Famers yep. as a separate group. Yep. And former Major League Baseball players with at least 10 years service time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Three separate voters three yeah. separate categories and if you get 75 percent in any of those categories you are a hall of famer
1: in any of them in any of them okay so it doesn't have to be collective just from one of those groups you have Correct. to get 75 you got to
0: get 75 from one of them okay. because they're all former mlb players with yeah. 10 years service time current alive hall of Famers, yeah. or the baseball writers that that's kind of all over the map there the baseball writers Love them or hate them, they haven't all played baseball. Some of them haven't even played at the high school level. Yeah. But they do have a place in the game. They're mm-hmm. great at what they do. Nobody watches Nobody watches more in their city than them. So they do have a place, and I don't yeah. just want to completely boot them out. But the system as it sits is old school. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is these baseball writers, in a sense, have become gatekeepers of the Hall of Fame. We can't allow that. We can't allow these baseball writers that might hold a grudge against X player because they didn't give them an interview Mm -hmm. 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago to say, nope, he's not getting into the Hall of Fame because I have that power. Great, you do have power, but there will be somebody else, if this player is deserving, that will allow them to get in, whether it be former major leaguers with a bunch of service time or current alive Hall of Famers that you know will only vote in Hall of Famers. They yeah. don't want to water, they don't want to muddy the class. No. So, they're going to be strict with their vote. Former Major Leaguers will be good because players they played with these players and then the baseball writers that have been there. So, creating other avenues other than just these baseball writers that have become in a way gatekeepers. And I don't want to say that in a bad way, but there there are other players in my opinion. Let's take let's take the steroid situation out of it. Okay. (laughs) Steroids has become uh, an interesting topic in in the Hall of Fame voting. I believe Barry Bonds should be in. 100%. And when when Barry Bonds gets in, Roger Clemens needs to be in in that conversation. But these baseball writers, look, here's an example for you. Pete Rose, all-time hits leader, not on the ballot, right? Because Major League Baseball said he's banned from baseball. He can't be in the Hall of Fame. These other guys, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they weren't banned and they were on the ballot. The baseball writers have taken it upon themselves yep. to say, no, th- we're making this a rule. You can't get in because you took steroids or or have been associated with it. Well, you, you guys made that up. <laughs> you guys came up with that. Like, You can't have a Hall of Fame, the very best baseball players of all time, without acknowledging that some of the greatest baseball players even existed. Yeah. You go to the Hall of Fame now and it's like, what? What? <laughs> where's the where's the all-time home runs leader? The current Hall of Fame does not have the all-time Major League Baseball home run leader. The all-time hits leader, the all-time Cy Young Award leader. The men who revived baseball with the home run chase yeah. in the late 90s, McGuire and Sosa. They're nowhere to be found. <sighs> so, look, put it I we've gone down this rabbit hole before. Put another yeah. wing, acknowledge that steroids happened, but acknowledge them. But I do think there needs to be other avenues for players to be, to get in. Um, other avenues for players like Todd Helton, who just came short this mm-hmm. year. I do believe Todd Helton will get in. I wish he was in already. But a couple of names that I would like to, to see get in that came up a little bit short this year. Todd Helton finished with 72.2% of the vote, 11 votes shy of being a Hall of Famer. Look, Todd Helton is getting Coors Field bias in the opposite. This isn't, this is ridiculous. Todd Helton isn't getting in because he played at Coors Field, which isn't his fault, by the way. That's just where he played his entire career. But you want to talk about the Coors Field bias, sure. High elevation, numbers are going to be a bit boosted there. Todd Helton hit, was a career 287 hitter on the road. Scott Rowland was a career 281 hitter altogether. Todd Helton was a career 287 hitter on the road, career 316 hitter, 369 homers, 1,400 RBIs. Todd Helton should be a Hall of Famer. Andrew Jones should be a Hall of Famer, 58.1% of the vote, 10 straight Gold Glove awards. I grew up a huge Atlanta Braves fan. Andrew Jones was the guy. Well, it was actually both Joneses, Andrew and Chipper. I wanted to be them. Andrew Jones out in the outfield, Chipper Jones over at third base. Billy Wagner, 68.1% of the votes, but a few names that haven't gotten in yet that I think should.
1: Yeah. So we were on a very similar thought process with updating the voting process. So there should be a board of trustees, and I think we combine our two, and you have four wings, okay? You have the writers, who still get to vote. You have the baseball executives, the owners, the GMs, people who have been involved in the game for an extremely long time and have their hand in Mm -hmm. the game. Then you have the Hall of Famers that are still around and want to vote. And then you have the players who have played in the league 10 years plus. That feels like a fair way of getting the players who deserve in from your peers, from your colleagues, and then the writers who have been a part of this process since it began. That seems fair.
0: I think we nailed it.
1: That seems fair.
0: Alex and I... Just finished, Check. just figured out how to vote for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, but from the best of all time yes. in the Hall of Fame to the best of the best currently at third base, Ooh. I have been going position by position. We've done two now, first base and second base, putting third baseman into tiers, which are elite, almost elite, really good, pretty solid, and the rest. We're now over to third base. So today is third base tiers.
1: Yeah, and I was shook like looking at this. You're shook if well, because every other time you've had two elite. That's it. Maybe two almost elite. And you've got like a whole a whole lineup in elite right here. So and no one
0: in elite. Third base is an there's interesting one. Third gap. base is uh there are there's tip of the top, the yeah. the top of the iceberg, and then a Big gap, and we will get to that now. We will explain all the gaps here, but we will start with my elite third baseman in the game of baseball. Manny Machado, Jose Ramirez, Mm -hmm. Rafael Devers, Austin Riley, Alex Bregman, Nolan Arenado. Now, I feel like it's important to announce before we get too far into this that these players aren't ranked within their tier. Because we got to second base and somebody was complaining that Brandon Lau was 27th. And I was like, he's 27? What are you talking about? And then they had counted every headshot (laughs) and exactly where he was.
1: No, no, everyone's equal in their tier. In their tier, which is the point of
0: tiers. The tier is ranked on the left side, not within the tier. Come on. Six third basemen. Machado, Devers, Ramirez, Riley, Bregman, Arenado. Look, these guys are the best of the best. Look, look. It's pretty straightforward. All these guys are in the MVP conversation every year. Machado and Arenado last year in the National League were were nuts. Austin Riley was in that conversation for a while, fell out of it a bit at the end, but I, I feel like I would feel comfortable going on record right now saying I think Austin Riley wins an MVP in his career. I don't know, just thought about that, but I okay. don't feel uncomfortable saying it, that's for sure. Alex Bregman is a stud, two time World Series champion, which you have to take into account here. A huge yep. part of those teams. Clutch in the clutch in the playoffs. Devers just signed that huge contract. Ramirez is one of the more underrated players in the game of baseball. These guys are elite. That is the that is the bunch of elite, which which is interesting because we talked about Scott Rowland and how there's only 19 third basemen yeah. now in the Hall of Fame. There's a real possibility. We're going to get a lot more. We, we're going to get a lot more. Yeah. Six more? I don't know. But you start talking these names, and you got to imagine at least half of them, I think, are going to be Hall of Famers someday if, if we're continuing on this route. So these are the elite third basemen for me in Major League Baseball.
1: Now, I know we're not numbering them, but if you had to pick one, mm. who is your number one third baseman?
0: <sighs> Man.
1: Yeah. Pick one.
0: After. After what he did last year, I'm gonna have to say Machado or Jose Ramirez. I I I know that's not picking one; it's picking one on each in each league. Yeah, I'm gonna have to take. I'm gonna say Machado. Right I, that's
1: now. who I was gonna pick.
0: I mean, the guy is unbelievable. We got to see him in the playoffs last year. He did well. He he slayed the dragon in the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. He's so good over there defensively. Man, he is he's just a stud. And he's spicy.
1: He is. I, it's, it's, I it's, love him. He's fun to watch. He brings a certain energy. He's contagious. And, and that's what I think a number one it takes yeah. to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I love Manny Machado. And these aren't ranked within the tiers, but if I had to right now pick the best third one. baseman in the game of baseball,
1: yeah.
0: I'd pick Manny Machado. All right, on to our next tier, which is almost elite. And there's which no is one there. Just under elite. And there's nobody.
1: I was like looking. I was like, did did I miss it? Did they put it in wrong? Maybe it's in like the wrong part of the format. I I I was so confused. Nobody. Yeah. No, I got that.
0: And when when I go onto the next category, really good. I want everybody to think like, should that person be? Is that
1: person almost elite? They were at one point. Like I'm I'm looking at the really good, and there were a handful of guys there that were at one point.
0: So almost elite category. Nobody in it. So let's move on to really good, and there are some names I, I want to highlight, but really good. We got Anthony Rendon, Gunnar Henderson, Max Muncie, Matt Chapman, Justin Turner, Brian Hayes, DJ LeMahieu, Eugenio Suarez, and Yandi Diaz. Bunch of names starting to come out in this really good and then pretty solid category, so I'm not going to talk about all of them. Mm-hmm. But one name I want to talk about here is Anthony Rendon huh. because there was a period of time a few years ago Before that Anthony Rendon would have been in that elite category, not even almost elite. I think Anthony Rendon is one, was at one point one of the best players in the game of baseball. Very underrated, playing with the Nationals. Then we got to see him in a World Series. Then he goes out to the Angels on that huge contract and can't stay healthy. Hasn't played more than 70 games in a season with the Angels yet. So we're kind of – I don't really have a lot to work with here. I can't put him in that elite category because he hasn't been healthy as of late. And when he has been, he hasn't been the best player in in the world because he's dealing with a bunch of injuries and stuff. So – Hasn't played 60-plus games with the Angels. No. It's it's wild.
1: He could be the missing piece for the Angels because we talked about this last week. They were in your top 10 off seasons. If Rendon can stay healthy, if, and that's a big if because we haven't seen it yet since he's come to the West Coast, Angels are a different conversation. They're in a different conversation for the rest of the season with Otani and Trout, and Rendon arguably – used to be, can be one of the top third basemen in the game.
0: Yeah. So he is he's in the really good category because yeah. I do believe he's really good, but he used to be up there with that other bunch and the last few years there's really been a separation. Uh Gunnar Henderson is another name in this category that I really want to highlight here because Gunnar Henderson Ooh. uh isn't Super well-known because he just came up last year for the Orioles, but he is a big-time prospect with them. His first hit last year was a home run. His first career hit is a home run. He is the top prospect in all of baseball. He's a stud. He came up with all the hype in the world being a top prospect and delivered. He showed that he is as good as he is made out to be. And he's going he's gonna to be a stud. So he has the potential to get up there yeah. in those categories. Right now, got to put him in really good. A lot of people might be saying, who's Gunnar Henderson and why is he really good? You'll see.
1: You'll see. And, and if you follow baseball closely and top prospects, I mean, he burst onto the scene, especially you just saw it there with his first hit being a home run, the helmet falling off, his Great hair. Hair, Great hair blowing in the wind as he's rounding the bases. <laughs> I mean, it was like a storybook, like, I am here, everybody. Get ready for me. Like, it, it He's going to be really exciting to watch.
0: Yep, absolutely agree. So uh, those are a couple names in the really good category. There are, what, nine in total, it appears. So nine there, six in the elite category, zero in the almost elite category. Now let's move on to pretty solid. You know, they're not quite, I wouldn't say they're really good. They're not elite. They're not almost elite, but these guys are pretty solid. Right? We got Jose Miranda. We got Josh Rojas, Christopher Morrell. Ryan McMahon, Yoan Mancata, Gene Segura, Luis Urias, Eduardo Escobar, Josh Donaldson, Alec Bohm, mm-hmm. Wilmer Flores, Jamer Candelario. Uh how many we got there? That's twelve. So a lot of these third basemen are in this category. Um couple names. One, Josh Donaldson is the second Yankee in this list. DJ LeMahieu was in the really good category, but okay. they kind of have a, a yeah. little they have a Rotation. what do you call it? Uh merry-go-round of infielders essentially Um, and Josh Donaldson is in that Eduardo Escobar is a name for me pretty solid I think he's been in that really good category before in his career last year not so great but also a name I want to I want to talk about because Brett Beatty is the future of the third base position for the New York Mets, I believe. And we will be seeing him a good bit this year. I just I don't think he's gonna start the year there. I could be wrong, but Eduardo Escobar is a big piece of this Mets team. Mm-hmm. I think he will play a good bit. He'll play a good bit of third base whenever Beatty comes up, isn't, isn't my choice, but he will be a stud, I think. But Escobar. Good at times last year. Good, Really good at times in his career. Underperformed a little bit with the Mets, I'd say, but a guy that I wanted to highlight there. Um, Yoan Mankata is another name in the pretty solid category that has been much higher. Um, we've seen flashes of greatness in Yoan Mankata's career. And over the last, look, last year was just tough. Really tough. Uh, not the year we've come accustomed to from him. So he's in this pretty solid list. Alec Bohm's another name that showed big improvement last year. And I think is I think Alec Bohm is a guy that's bordering that. I think he could get to that really good mm-hmm. category. What I saw last year from Alec Bohm with his improved defense and his vastly improved offense, uh, I think he's heading in the right direction. 280, 13 homers, 72 RBIs. We see this highlight of him now with his defense, which wasn't something that we were – accustomed to was alec bowman his defense but he's put a lot of work in over there and yeah he's in the pretty solid category with the chance to move up big time the last one is the rest everybody else that i didn't mention is in the rest one name that i wanted to highlight here is josh jung of the um texas rangers this guy is a big time prospect i think he's going to be a stud he did come up last year and wasn't great so i can't really put him in in a category yet but he's a big prospect. A big name, and I do think he will be an absolute stud. So, those are my third base tiers.
1: And what I see in your tiers is there's a lot of room for potential. There's a lot of room for growth. Because you got a lot of guys down low with a big gap in between. There's hope.
0: There is hope. So, we've done first base, we've done second base, and now we have done my third base tiers. All right, Alex, last week... We did the top 10 winners yeah. of the offseason. And now I'm going to do my list of the top five losers of the offseason. By the way, stay tuned. We're going to do the, the, the bat giveaway here soon in the episode. Soon. Very soon. And you want to win this bat. Trust me. There's only six, by the way. Whatever. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> top five losers of the offseason. Losers is a strong word. Oh. And it's a, it's a good word. For these teams let's start as at number five so we'll go five to one one being the biggest loser at number five I have the San Francisco Giants look the Giants were all in this offseason so they're not here for lack of trying <laughs> they're certainly not here for lack of trying they were all in on pretty much everybody Aaron Judge nope didn't get him they wound up with arson judge in terms of what John John Heyman said <laughs> didn't get Aaron got arson Carlos Correa, they got him, and then they didn't get him. So they had all this money. They had 300s of millions of dollars going to everybody, and then after everything, they wound up with Michael Conforto. And not that Michael Conforto is a bad baseball player, but when you're a Giants fan and you're looking at this team and you're looking at the offseason and you're thinking, we're going to get... Aaron Judge, or Carlos Correa, or some huge name, and then you wind up with Michael Conforto. It's not a success of an offseason.
1: No, and they lost a lot of guys, including your favorite pitcher on the market, Carlos Rodon. So it's it's tough. It's it's a big, like, your excitement's up, your balloon's inflated, and then when you lose out on the big guys, like you just mentioned with Judge and Correa, it's like someone just took a needle. Boom.
0: Well said. Their balloon was inflated, and then it was yeah.
1: inflated. I mean, they did they did add... Haniger, Stripling, Manaya So there, there are guys that they did add, but it's not as.
0: Right. So it's kind it's of. Not, you know, it's not as big. They added names. They're yeah. not big names. And it, also the reason they're here is just the lack of, you know, the yeah. the anticipation and then the huge lack. Well, there,
1: there was a celebration. And then it was, yeah, <laughs> psych.
0: True. All not right. happening. Number four on my list, the Detroit Tigers, um, an organization very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, we've been hearing for four years now that up oh, things are things are turning around they're on the come up things are about to happen um, and then Torkelson and Riley Green come up and then it's just let down after letdown. Riley Green ends up injured right before the season doesn't break camp with the team Torkelson wasn't great when he was first up came back up at the end of the year and was pretty good and then this offseason and look what Matt Boyd, Michael Lorenzen. You sign two starters, and then you get rid of arguably your best relief option. Two, you know, uh, Joe Jimenez, former teammate of mine, and Gregory Soto. I, I don't, I don't know. I've become frustrated with with the direction the Tigers are going. I want them to, I want them to be good. I want them to surround Green and Torkelson and and Scooble and and Manning and Mize with with elite talent. And it's just not happening. They went all in. They got Javi Baez, and that hasn't looked good so far. So, I don't know. You sign two starters, you get rid of your two best relievers. It's like, okay, we're in. Okay, but we're not all the way in. We're kind of out. It's like, what? pick a side, you know? Pick a side. Go with it. Go all in. Why not? But they're here at number four on my list. Um, Let's move on to number three. I have the Baltimore Orioles at number three. They, They did make. They made a couple moves this offseason, right? But after stunning the baseball world last year, stunning everybody with 83 wins, they finished above 500. They didn't finish last place in a great AL East with a bunch of good teams, and they were in the playoff hunt until the last weekend of the season. And now you're talking about, okay, this Orioles team is ahead of schedule. You have Gunnar Henderson come up. You have Adley Rutschman come up, who is unbelievable. You have all these pitchers. You have Grayson Rodriguez, who is going to be a stud major leaguer. We have all the writings on the wall. Our young guys, our young guns are here. They're performing. They're ready. And we we, we overdid expectations last year. What are we going to do in this offseason? It's so exciting. And I mean... Nothing really. Nothing that. Nothing that jumps off the paper. I mean, they got Cole Irvin the other day. Am I jumping for joy at the Orioles getting Cole Irvin? No. Am I jumping for joy of them getting Adam Frazier? No. I'm not. So what? What did they do to really bolster that 83 win team and continue going in the right direction? I don't know. I wish they had done more. And their their GM said this after their 83 win season in 2022 their GM Mike Elias teased the possibility of the franchise opening its purse by saying we are going to have the flexibility to invest in the major league payroll in a different way than I have done since I've been here that's heading into this offseason well we're waiting I mean they have a lot of gone
1: they have a lot of young talent um As you mentioned, they are ahead of schedule in this rebuild by a couple years. As you mentioned, they shocked the baseball world, all of us, I think. They have one of the most exciting young talent. Maybe they wait and see how the start of the season goes and then make some trades before the deadline. Pick someone up.
0: It's just they're not here for for me saying, wow, they're not going to be good. I am very, very high on the Orioles and the future of the Baltimore Orioles, and I wish they had just taken this time to buy in a little quicker and to tell these young guys, we believe in you. We're going to start this year with the the full expectation of making the playoffs and going for it, and I don't think they did that. I, I don't think they did that, so that's why they're on this list. All right. At number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers.
1: Oof.
0: Well, they didn't do hardly anything. Um, Listen to the names they lost, okay? You lose Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger, Andrew Heaney, Tyler Anderson, Joey Gallo, Craig Kimbrell, Tommy Canley, Chris Martin. A lot of names out the door. Big, big big-time producers, by the way. and, And Turner, Heaney, Anderson. Still, Bellinger was playing pretty much every day. And they added Noah Syndergaard and J.D. Martinez. I like J.D. Martinez; great signing for the money that they signed him for. But compared to all the production going out the door, what are what are we doing here? And you can you can sit here and say that, yeah, they're they're all in for the next off and they're all in for Shohei. Look, as of, as of right now, what they did this off season, was a lack of much of anything, and they watched the San Diego Padres pass them for the team that I believe is the best team in, in the NLs. Not to say the Dodgers aren't good, not to say the Dodgers might not win the NLs because they are extremely talented and will still probably win around 100 games. That's They are that good. But they didn't get better this offseason. They got worse than they were last year, and they watched their division rival get exponentially better. And for that reason, they're here at number two.
1: Not only division rival, but the team that knocked them out of the postseason mm. in their first round. So, right. I mean, the Dodgers always have something up their sleeve. They always seem to be one of the best regular season teams. I don't see it right now, what they're doing. I I, I don't have the vision. I, I hope it pans out as a fan the way it always does for them. But there has to be something that we're not seeing. Yep. There has to be something that we don't know yet.
0: Yeah. But as of right now, They're uh, number two on my list. And that leaves number one on my list of the top five biggest loser this offseason. And I want to put emphasis on loser because this team and organization is just pissing me off. The Oakland A's, number one. What are you doing? You're embarrassing. You're embarrassing the fan base. They're embarrassing the organization. They're embarrassing the players. And they're embarrassing the game of baseball. What are you doing? They trade Sean Murphy. They're the best player on their team. They didn't get enough for him. And I've said this before, it doesn't matter what they got for him because they've been doing this for years now. They'll acquire talent. They'll trade away their best players before they have to pay them to acquire good young talent. And then if any of them pan out, they'll trade them again for good young talent before they have to pay the other guys. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. It's an absolute joke what is going on. It just is. I don't know what the plan is. Maybe they want to move, maybe not. Maybe they're just not happy they can't re they can't build the stadium that they want. I don't care. It's it's a joke. It's it's sad and as a fan of the game of baseball, what has been going on in Oakland, which is one of the best playoff atmospheres that I have ever experienced. Oakland is incredible. An incredible atmosphere. And the fact that this fan base has had to endure what they continue to have to endure is just sad and sucks, and they're number one on the list.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they're just stuck in their old Moneyball ways, but it just feels almost like a minor league, like farm system here. It's like here we'll get the guys, we'll grow them, and then when they're ready to like make we'll that big, yeah, we're, we're going to yeah. ship them off. We're going to ship them out. And let me tell you, because I've worked a couple opening days at Oakland. And opening day, the first day, the stadium's packed. They come with all their instruments in the outfield. It's like, great. it is wild. It is electric. Game two, three, four, rest of the season. It is crazy how empty that stadium is. It's sad. Less people in the stands than minor league games. Like, it is crazy. It's it's sad. It is. They deserve more.
0: It's sad. And I it, it might have been last year. I did my top top playoff atmospheres Mm -hmm. and I had Oakland at number one whoa and I after I did that I was talking to Justin about his top like where he would have and what his top playoff atmosphere was and he said Oakland he said Oakland's right there in the top two he said it was the loudest he told me a story that he was sitting right next to I want to say I want to say it was Prince Fielder okay I forget who exactly it was but they were on the bench in the Oakland Coliseum and having a conversation sitting right next to each other and yelling, mm-hmm. and they couldn't hear each other. Yeah, They legitimately could not hear each other. That's how loud it was. So I don't know the direction they're going. Uh, the Oakland A's payroll two decades ago, 2002, two decades ago was $39.7 oh The God. Oakland A's payroll last year, Twenty nine point three million dollars. Ten million dollars less than it was two decades ago. So we can sit here and say they're running their organization similar to the Moneyball days. Sure. They were investing more then and they were winning. So they were doing it sort of they were like what the Oakland or what the Tampa Rays are doing now before then. But they, they, it was down to a science. Now it's not a science. It's just they're being cheap.
1: It's just crazy because their entire payroll is what some of the top players make in a year.
0: Oh, my God. It's my insane.
1: More than that. A lot
0: more than their entire payroll was last year.
1: Uh, yeah, and in a season. probably
0: 10 plus players. It's insane.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: To some (laughs) not-losers, some (laughs) (laughs) all-stars. To some all-stars here, Team Japan's WBC lineup. And we have been going from – we went from Team USA to Team Dominican Republic to now Team Japan because this lineup is worthy of – coming up with my entire lineup. So there. this one's going to be interesting because there will be some names you know and there will be some names you do not know. But one thing I want to stress and will continue to stress after I explain my potential lineup is just how good this lineup will be. So we're going to go through Team Japan's WBC starting lineup. And for me, leading off in the outfield, Lars Nupar, who we all know, uh, St. Louis Cardinal. Great player. He will, and he is playing for Team Japan. Batting second, designated hitter, Shohei Otani. Batting third, outfielder, Seiya Suzuki. Batting fourth, at third base, Muntaka Murakami. This guy I will be talking about right after this lineup. Batting fifth, outfielder, Masataka Yoshida, just signed by the Boston Red Sox. Batting sixth, first base, Hotaka Yamakawa. Batting seventh, second base, Shugo Maki. Batting eighth, catcher, Yuhei Nakamura. And batting ninth, shortstop, Sosuka, Sosuke Jenda. So, top five in this lineup, everybody should know. Mm-hmm. And I want to focus on, well, one, we'll focus on batting second. Shohei Otani is playing in the World Baseball Classic huge news. The second he announced that he was officially playing, the Tokyo Dome sold out every Team Japan game in a matter of minutes. It was insane, as it should be. Um, Shohei is playing. He's a stud. He'll be in the lineup. He will. They, The Angels have given him permission to pitch as well, um, so he'll be in the lineup. He'll be pitching. He's batting second. Batting third from the Cubs, Seya Suzuki, who has shown that he can be a really good big league talent. Batting fourth is the guy I really want to highlight here because a lot of people do not know the name yet. Murakami, third baseman. I got to see him play in person just a few months ago for the occult Swallows. This guy is this, this guy is a big league stud. He will be a major league baseball star. He will be, he's young. He just broke the all-time Japanese home run record, 56 home runs, 134 RBIs last season in the uh, in the MPB. MB, MPB. He's 22 years old, 22. This guy is a superstar in the making. And I went to watch him. I heard about this guy. I got a jersey of his, but I watched him and he sticks out. He sticks out on the field amongst everybody. This guy is huge. He's a big league talent. He reminded me of sort of like a Rafael Devers type over at third base where he's he's a little bigger over there. He sticks out. He absolutely rakes from the left side. Man, keep an eye on him. Watch Team Japan because Murakami is going to come over to Major League Baseball soon. I don't know how – it's not next year. I believe it might be two-ish years but this guy is going to be a star and watch team Japan. If not for Shohei, for him, for some of the pitchers they have on the team, they're going to be studs. This lineup is great. We've now done team USA, we've done team Dominican Republic, and we've done team Japan. So, yeah. Alex, uh-huh. what I want to ask of you, okay, and we can discuss, Kay. is let's let's pull up those lineups
1: of the three Who do Dominican. You okay.
0: Of all the lineups we've done now, those three, which I believe are the top three lineups. Yeah. Okay. What lineup do you believe is the best lineup in the world baseball class?
1: I have all three of them right in front of me right now. So that's why that's why I'm looking down. And this is tough. This is also really special because we've never seen lineups of this caliber. In the world baseball classic, which is why I also am so excited because the world's gonna get to see a whole handful of talent that you wouldn't normally see on a regular basis. But I'm gonna have to go with Team USA. I, I'm sticking strong, it's really close with the Dominican Republic, but I'm going team USA at number one with the DR right behind and then Japan.
0: All right. So for me, um Team Dominican is is insane. In Fuego. The lineup is, is nuts. We went over that. Um, can, we put, can we put the Dominican lineup in the board real quick, please? So let me just go over this really quickly. Julio Rodriguez, superstar. Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Rafael Devers, Jose Ramirez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Starly Marte, Jeremy Pena, Gary Sanchez. That's the Dominican lineup. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But, come on let's go over to the American lineup. I'm taking them as the best lineup in the World Baseball Classic. Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado, Kyle Tucker, Paul Goldschmidt, MVP winner down in the five-six range in the batting lineup. Pete Alonso, JT Realmuto, the best catcher in baseball, and Tim Anderson at second base. There's only been one player, in Major League Baseball that has hit over 300 for four straight years. And his name is Tim Anderson. And he's going to be in the nine hole in the lineup. It's unbelievable. I will take Team USA's lineup as the best lineup in the World Baseball Classic. And it's close. Yeah. But they're the best. And I believe this Team USA lineup is the greatest lineup ever assembled.
1: And they're going to win back-to-back because they're the defending champs. They're camps. the defending champs.
0: Yeah. I will, if, and and here's, what? here's where it gets tricky. Okay. If you were to ask me the best roster, I would struggle because there is, it's objectively true that Team Dominican Republic's pitching rotation is an all star pitching rotation. Yeah. And Team USA is, is is not our best guys. So they're unbelievable. Team Dominican's rotation is Framber Valdez, yeah. Luis Castillo, yeah. Christian Javier, Sandy Alcantara. It's unbelievable. But lineup wise, ha 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 ha. Team USA. Yeah. Best lineup in in the world baseball. Classic. We agree. Great. We agree. Um Kyle Tucker's and Team USA's lineup, by the way. Astro, World Series champion. Astros some big news out of Houston. Oh. They have mm-hmm. If you remember, they did not re-sign their GM that just won the World Series. And they have a new general manager, Dana Brown, new GM of the reigning World Series champion, Houston Astros. What a great hire. Let me just explain to everybody a brief synopsis of who Dana Brown is and why I love it so much. This guy has spent 31 years in front offices in Major League Baseball, 33 years in professional baseball. He played minor league baseball for a couple of years, gets out, goes into the front office, and has been in the front office for 31 years. His last four years... He has been the VP of Amateur Scouting for the Atlanta Braves and is responsible for the signings of Spencer Strider and Michael Harris II mm-hmm. and some big names like that. And Von Grissom, who's going to be shortstop for the Braves. Steven Strasberg. I mean, the names go on. Ryan Zimmerman. This guy knows talent. But you might be asking, but this is a totally different job. General manager. And he has no GM experience. That is all true. But by and large, people around the game of baseball speak volumes, volumes of Dana Brown and, and what he is going to bring to the Houston Astros organization. So from what I've heard, he is a mixture of an analytical guy and an old school guy, mm-hmm. which is what we need. I feel like the game of baseball was old school, old school, old school. And then we went heavy analytics and just having some feel kind of went out of the door. But now we're starting to get back to realizing, okay, you gotta, we can't just go all analytics. Dana Brown is that guy. Um he was minorly, he was he was a teammate in college of Craig Biggio. Oh, wow. Who sat in the meetings with the Astros. It was, it was um Reggie Jackson was in there, Jeff Bagwell, Dusty Baker, and he was a college teammate of of Craig Biggio. So really cool there. Bob Nightingale tweeted a, a quote from him saying, "We want to get greedy about mm-hmm. winning." So, uh, really good hire. I like him a lot. Uh, he said he had a couple good quotes that stuck out to me in reference to Jim Crane. He said he's a little high strung, but I'm from the Northeast, so it's going to be the perfect storm. Yeah. And clearly, whatever the storm was brewing there last year, it worked on the field. But James Click was out the door <laughs> right after winning a World Series, which is insane. Uh, but this was my favorite quote. From Dana Brown. It's tough to say there's something missing when you win a World Series. At the end of the day, I just want to come in and be part of it and do what I do, which is acquire players, get them signed long-term, develop players, communicate well with the staff, and build a winning tradition where people people can grow and be themselves. And a couple things stick out to me there, which is acquire players. Mm -hmm. He's done a great job of that. Most recently, Strider and Harris get them signed long-term, it's the Braves' way. Yeah. Look what they've done with Strider and Harris and Albies and Acuna and Austin Riley. It's the Braves' way. And communicate well with staff. All of those other things he said are just icing on the cake. It's great. But you look around. Look, I, I bet you Jeremy Pena is signed to a pretty long-term deal here before the season starts.
1: Yeah, he said all the right things in the presser, and I always try to pick up on the energy – and and the feel, and he felt so comfortable and confident sitting there, talking to the press, having a plan in place, and as you just read his quote, his specialty is finding that young talent and yeah. going out and, and making a team. He knows he's walking into a winning culture. Yeah. You're going to the defending champs. Yeah. He's very well aware of that. He's played against them in the 2021 World Series. True. So I think another important thing that he mentioned is he wants it to be a place where players can be themselves because that's an extremely important part of the game as well. And especially for players, mental state and mental health is like you want to go out there and you want to play the game, but you also want to make it your own and be yourself. And to know you have that support from the high ups and the front office is only going to help this organization be even better than they already are.
0: So it's going to be interesting. He is a guy that signs good talent and likes to do it long-term and, Jim Crane, on the other side, is a guy that doesn't typically love the long-term deals. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll sign guys, but I don't think he'll he doesn't really go above those five-six year marks. And I'd be I bet you he'd come in and say I want to sign Jeremy Pena to a ten-year deal with a mm-hmm. lower AAV. So it's going to be interesting those two. And as Dana Brown has said, it's going to be the perfect storm. Uh, Astros runner-up for GM Brad Osmus. Interesting. We don't need to talk much about that, but I think they yep. made I think they made the right choice. So, Astros get their guy Dana Brown, new general manager. All right, we're changing it up a little bit today. Alex, we've been doing name that player, but this week we're going to do name that team, which we'll explain in a second. But it is my birthday episode and I have said that we're going to do a giveaway. We're giving away this custom incredibly sick bat. Birch Bat, Flippin' Bats with Ben Verlander on it. It's a 34.30. It's beautiful. We are going to give it away. And I have explained that at some point in this episode, I would give all the details on how to win. And I'm going to do that right now. And it's very, very simple. All you need to do is take a screenshot that you are subscribed to Flippin' Bats and send it to this secret email address. And this secret email address (laughs) is bensbat31 at gmail.com. B-E-N-S, Bens, Bat, B-A-T, 31 at gmail.com. So all you need to do, listen to the podcast, subscribe, take a screenshot that you're subscribed wherever you listen, and email bensbat31 at gmail.com. And you could win this bet. And we will announce the winner on next week's episode. Uh, we'll message you privately. And there will be more opportunities to win. We do have more bats. This is just the beginning of the giving. Ben's bat31 <laughs> at gmail.com. That's where you gotta send it. And this thing, this thing really is sick, by the way. This thing is really cool. So um, check it out. Do it. Win it. Screenshot, send it to the email address, Ben'sBat31 at gmail.com, and this bat could be yours. Now it is time.
1: It's time. Oh, I was crying. That was good.
0: Alex is really Ben'sBat31. Whoever made up that email address, that really gets to Alex.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, you can win one of Ben's bats. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry. We've lost Alex for a second. <laughs> yeah, <he looks> good. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> All right.
0: So, I'll give Alex a second. We've been doing Name That Player, which I get the college, and, and you guys have been doing it along with me. I get the college, the team they debuted with, and then their current team. But this is going to be Name That Team, and it's going to be a little different. Yeah. So, you Are you in a state of mind to yeah, be able to explain to me what we're doing?
1: I think. Okay. okay. So you're going to have three teams. Okay. Instead of five, we're just doing three this week. Um, you're going to get five players and where each player was drafted out of, whether it's high school, college, or if it was an international signing. Okay. And I'll tell you the position and where they were drafted out of.
0: Okay. So and many- you have a
1: minute to guess what team –
0: Okay. So I'm gonna get five players. Yes. It's like an infield. So yes. for example, I'm gonna get an infield from a certain team and I'm gonna get where that player was either went to college or drafted school, out of.
1: Yeah. If they're at a high school, at a college, or the- international signing. Okay. Yeah. You're gonna get catcher, first base, second base, shortstop, sub, third base. Okay.
0: I like it. Okay. okay. I'm gonna write it, I'm gonna write it down when yeah. you tell me. Okay. You ready? Name that team.
1: Team number one. Catcher went to Florida State. First baseman went to San Diego State. Second baseman, Hawaii. Shortstop was drafted out of high school in California. Third baseman was an international signing out of Venezuela. Name that team. You got right. a minute on the clock.
0: Catcher. Oh, okay. Here's the graph. Okay, catcher, Florida State, first base, San Diego State, second base. Hawaii, shortstop is high school, and third base is Venezuela. Okay, I think I got it. Okay. I think Florida State, Cal Raleigh, San Diego State, Thai France, second base, Colton Wong, shortstop, J.P. Crawford, third base, Eugenio Suarez, Seattle Mariners is my answer. Yeah, you nailed it. Okay. okay. Wow. One for one.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. All right. Right. Team two. Right, I don't need to write it down. Because no, you're we, gonna we see it. We do make it. graphics. Yeah, here. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cute though. Okay. I was, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Team number two. Okay. Catcher at a high school in Oklahoma. First baseman, Cal State Sacramento. Second baseman, Nevada. Shortstop, NC State. Third base, Wichita State. Say that right. Okay. You did say. Name we- that team.
0: All right. So I think I know first base and shortstop. Okay. Which is which I think I know the answer.
1: Then just go for it.
0: But I'm gonna guess live on the edge. I'm gonna guess this is catcher, JT Real Muto, first base, Reese Hoskins, shortstop's Trey Turner, third base is Alec Bohm. And second base is Bryson Stott. The Philadelphia Phillies. Is
1: yeah. Great. Let's go. Somebody's good at this new game. Two for two. Two for two. All right. Team three. Now, remember, we're naming where each of these players were drafted out of. So
0: team number three. Uh-oh, there's a wrinkle here. No, there's so, not. All right. So this okay. is the last one, right? This is the last one. I'm just long.
1: reminding. Okay. Ready? Yep. Okay. Catcher drafted out of high school in New York. First baseman, Mississippi State. Second base, Cal. Shortstop, high school out of North Carolina. And third base, Texas Tech. Name that team. Yeah.
0: This is tough.
1: Okay. Is it?
0: Well, I don't know... The Mississippi State one is – but there's only a couple players in baseball that went to Cal. So I believe my final answer Kay. is the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Marcus Simeon. Yeah. Cal. All right.
1: Producer Taylor said you were going to go three for three, he and you're did. like, I'm going to fail because he thought I was going to go three for three, and you nailed it. So – um. You gotta feel pretty good. What do you? I, a plus.
0: Yeah, today. That, new that's game. an A plus. New game. Yeah. Um, did pretty well. Three for three today on my birthday. A plus.
1: Now I think everyone wants to come out and celebrate with you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Bring the team on out here. Bring everybody Where's
1: everyone out. out. Come on. What? <laughs> Happy birthday oh, to a pick- you. <laughs> Is Birthday to, to Is that right? Did Happy,
0: Happy
1: Birthday No other way birthday. There you go Happy Birthday to <laughs> it's you It's like a mustache
0: <laughs> Thank You, you got your
1: first mustache
0: I just got a, <laughs> yeah. I just got a cupcake to the face I believe it was Mace Ooh. I did that Ooh. Thank you guys I have cupcakes Happy Birthday Ben Nard, that's, okay.
1: <laughs> There's a
0: picture of myself, this is great. Thank you guys. 31 on the 31st, this crew that is all out oh,
1: here. Oh, 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 you're getting it all over the microphone. Take them away, Take them <laughs> away from
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> Show off the side of your cake face. cupcake on my face. Jesus Christ. It's beautiful, it's on your, it's it's on your pants. There's cupcake on Watch my out. face, all over my pants, <laughs> um, and on the microphone. But it is my birthday episode, so this feels fitting. Um, this crew <laughs> that is all out here is a big reason and a big part of this show. And it was cool to have them come out here and sing. And they will pay for the cupcake to the face. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, this is that was really cool.
1: Happy birthday. Did you
0: know that was happening? Uh-huh. Did you know the cupcake to the face was coming? Yeah. Who's I put, idea, here, And I, crown, I,
1: I crowned you.
0: Whose idea was the cupcake you to think? the face?
1: Who do you think? Enjoy it.
0: Tastes, tastes oh, even better.
1: <laughs> <I just smeared laughs>
0: okay, we're ending this. I yes. love you guys. I love this entire flipping Bats crew. I love the flipping Bats community. Everybody that listens and is a part of this. Win the bat. Send in an email. It's easy. BenzBat31 <laughs> at gmail.com. And, and the bat could be yours. I love you guys. Thank you all for listening. This one is special. Subscribe wherever you he- Wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, there's 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 red velvet cupcake coming out of my nostril. Just wherever you listen, stop all your. We're head. also on all social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every episode on YouTube as well. Thank you all for listening. This one has been extra special. I love you guys. I will see you next time for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.
1: Happy birthday.